Welcome to Creating Synergy, where we explore what it takes to transform. We are powered by Synergy IQ. Our mission is to help leaders create world-class businesses where people are safe, valued, inspired, and fulfilled. We can only do this with our amazing community. So thank you for listening. Hey there, Synergizers, and welcome back to another episode of the Creating Synergy podcast. My name is Daniel Franco, and today we are welcoming back my wonderful business partner, Michelle T. Holland. With over 20 years of experience as a leader in creating business excellence through people, Michelle has helped thousands of leaders build their confidence and skills in change. She's an experienced culture change expert, a certified data lead facilitator, a strategic advisor to some of Australia's largest business and corporations. She's the author of three books, including the bestseller Culture Inc. Michelle speaks at conferences, runs workshops, advises and consults and challenges the thinking of some of Australia's greatest leaders. Not only is she a regular on this podcast, but she can be regularly seen and heard as a guest on many podcasts, networks and interviews. Check her out at Michelle T. Holland on LinkedIn. In this episode, Michelle and I had a great conversation about the challenges businesses are facing and how they can bring optimism and pragmatism to tackle the brand new year ahead of us. We also deep dived into the learnings of 2021, the uncertainty and dilemmas that businesses are facing due to the current circumstances such as the Omicron variant, how the language we use on a day-to-day basis can shape who we are and what we believe to be true. Michelle also defines optimism and how reality can distort our outlook and ways that we can overcome this. We touched on the importance of clear communication in a workforce and how we can all communicate better. And we all know that the world is struggling with workforce shortages at the moment, and Michelle shines a light on some creative ways to tackle this problem. And we rounded off the chat with our expectations for 2022. I know you're going to absolutely love this chat, and if you'd like to learn more about some of our amazing leaders that we've had on the Creating Synergy podcast, then be sure to jump on our website at synergyiq.com.au and check us out at Creating Synergy podcast on all the podcast outlets. And if you feel like it, leave us a review in the Apple podcast. Cheers. Welcome back to the Creating Synergy podcast. My name is Daniel Franco, your host. And today we have the amazing Michelle Holland, my business partner, Michelle Holland, thank you. Welcome back for uh, 2022. Thank you, Dan, for having me. I felt a little, you know, ignored because I haven't been on since the beginning of last year. I've had all these amazing guests <laughs> on that have just been, you know, taking your time yeah. and I've really enjoyed listening to them all. So, but I'm very, uh, very humbled and proud to be back again. Well, we're glad <laughs> to have you back and, um, you know. Yeah, really. Yeah, totally. Okay, no worries. <laughs> Don't worry about that. Um, we are trialing a few different things. So we are mm. online today, which is uh, we, we want to start expanding the podcast and going a little bit more international. And we have, we've done a few international ones now and interstate ones. So we're, we're just trialing a few things. That's why we are online, if it does sound slightly yeah. different. So uh, what we were going to talk about today is building optimism for business in 2022. And if there's uh, anyone... That knows a little bit about that. It's you, Michelle. Well, yeah. So, uh, what are your what are your thoughts so far of the start of the year? And and f- before we actually get into the building of the optimism, I'd be really keen to understand 
some of your key learnings that you're taking away from 2021. Mm, well, thank you. That's, yeah, that's a great place to start. Uh, yeah, so welcome to 2022 or 2020 also. People have, I've heard people say, which um, I'm, I'm hoping not. I'm hoping not. That's my optimism. I hope not. Mm. Um, but, yeah, 2022. I think, Good. you know, it's funny, actually. I did uh, write a bit of a an article that's on LinkedIn about um, some learnings that I had in 2020. 21 and obviously there are lots of business learnings and we uh, we worked really hard on on expanding the business last year and really um, honing in on the kind of work that we do and our purpose etc so that that's been a great um, experience and a great learning journey I think my biggest learning came just before Christmas and and that sounds funny but I went into the Christmas break not feeling exhausted. <laughs> And I think, you know, when I felt that, it felt so unusual for me that I didn't feel completely burnt out and exhausted by the end of the year. And I I recognized it because it felt so unusual for me. So that was a big learning for me that the fact that going into a break where I was, yeah, I was tired and I was ready for my break, but I didn't feel like I was completely shattered I was completely burnt out that was a really new thing for me and I think what I learned from that is just that realization that the work that I've been doing over the last two years to really uh, focus on and improve my management of my well-being has actually uh, begun to work so (laughs) that's been a huge learning for me and also the other element to this, because I know that a lot of the time we don't allow ourselves to rest, we don't allow ourselves to manage our well-being and focus on that because we think we're not going to get anything done. And I actually believe I got more done last year than I have in probably the three years before that. So more focus time, more more connection time with people um, in the business and outside of the business. I, uh, I wrote another book. I've, you know, done blogs all year. I've worked with clients all year. I've worked with our team all year. Uh, and, you know, we've been growing the business, obviously, all year as well. So when I look back over the year, I go, I actually got more done and I feel more rested. Really strange. That big, big learning for me. Yeah. Huge learning. I think it's 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 an important point because... You know, obviously, we've worked together for a couple of years, and I remember it was probably two or three years ago. You were at a point almost of no return. Your your health had taken a real hit, and I remember after that year, you said, "Dan, I'm I'm never going to let that happen again." Um, and then the next year, it happened again, but not so bad. Like there was an improvement. It it was uh, it yeah, was worse. But never ever the year before. <laughs> and but yeah. You have now managed, and, uh, and I've seen in there's just light light years difference in where you were, you know, at the end of 2020, uh, 2020 compared to and 2019 mm. compared to uh, to this year. In fact, I've uh, I reckon I've taken on some of that burnout instead. I I, I reckon you I caught, caught it from up me. Uh, this year and <laughs> yeah, yeah, burnout is not yeah. contagious, but it's um. I, I definitely, I definitely hit a wall this year, and 
I think just learning from some of your learnings has helped me get through this piece. So, yeah. Uh, yeah it's, yeah, it's and very I think, valuable. And I mean, we're not you know, going to burden people with burnout um, through this session, but I think it is one thing that people do experience. And if we're talking about optimism into 2022, part of that is about personal well-being as well and making sure that we are actually taking care of ourselves and not just our businesses because without us there is no business, particularly if you're a smaller business, but it's equally as important if you're a leader of a team or a leader of a business or a leader of a department, then you need to be in a place where you can give to the people in your team. If you're maxed out, um, if you're overwhelmed and you're burnt out, then you're really not in a place to actually give to the people around you as well. Um, and we do martyrdom ourselves in this sort of stuff. And I mean, that's one of the things I want to talk about today is the, you know, how we use language. Cause even using the language of I'm so overwhelmed when we say that all the time, our, our bodies believe it. So it's like we just we need to be really careful about the language we use as well and also how we are, and I'm using this word purposefully, managing our well-being. So important. But what about you? What did you feel like you learned from 2021 that you're going to take into this year? I, uh, from, a, from a business perspective, believe, Lots. <laughs> Brain <laughs> I explosion. I learned a lot. Yeah. Uh, so that little I, emoji, um, I can imagine you were like that little emoji with the explosion coming out the head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think well, I think the uh, the ups and downs of the past couple of years have, have really sort of held us in good stead and built some resilience and actually forced the learning onto uh, onto us as a business, which has been really exciting. And, and it, we've gone from strength to strength as a result. Uh, one thing I did learn that which I find really interesting is that at the start of the pandemic, there was this sort of, it was really, for me, it was really exciting because it was, there was this common theme that we're all in this together, right? And, and I was really sort of, you know, it was heartwarming to see that and there was some really great videos and everything else going around, you know, with people singing from the rooftops and, and then there was songs created as a result and all the above. And so I was actually pretty impressed with humanity at that point. But then last year we just saw there's this real divide mm. at the moment. And there's one thing that I've lost a little bit of confidence in, in humanity. There's everyone's got an opinion of everything. And I think I put up a LinkedIn post the other day. Uh, it's that Dunning-Kruger effect. Everyone believes that they know a little mm. bit about, uh, about a subject and all of a sudden they're experts in it. And, uh, one one thing, yeah, that that is one thing. I hope that changes again and goes back or comes back to some sense of normality because everyone's got an opinion and everyone's mm. got a different opinion, um, and you don't know who the experts are anymore. So, uh, one thing I hope that we, uh, from an optimism point of view, we can uh, really see that to start to change in 2022 and go back to some sense. Yeah, of normality. I agree with you. I think. Um, what- like just the the um, vaccination kind of business, uh, there's been mm. a massive divide in that, and it it does it worries me, um, but doesn't surprise me because this is literally how humans behave. You know, when I know something, I know it to be true, and then I go out and search for everything that I know to be true to confirm what I know to be true, right? So that's just how our brains work. Mm. That's how we, we function. 
And that's been happening on a global scale. So if somebody on Facebook tells me that it's not okay to get vaccinated, then I search for everything that tells me it's not okay to get vaccinated if I believe that. And vice versa, if somebody on Facebook says you should go get vaccinated and I firmly believe that, then I'm going to look for everything that I can find that shows me that it's the right thing. And I think Mm. the thing we don't do enough of as humans, and this is where I think a lot of this judgment stuff comes from, is what's called cognitive dissonance. So we can hold two truths to be true at the same time that feel like they're conflicting. So, like, personally, I'm not an advocate for vaccinations, right? It's it's something that even when I was getting my children vaccinated, I, you know, I had a look into each one and decided, yes, they'll have this one and no, they won't have this one, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I'm not somebody who gets the flu shot every year. It's not something that I, I, I think I need. You know, I didn't get my children vaccinated against chickenpox, you know, all of these sort of things. So I've made choices along the way. I have chosen to get vaccinated against COVID. And it's more to do with, um, as a small business owner, the bigger risk to me is not getting back to normal, not getting back to some sort of normality in our worlds. And I figure if the governments believe that by all of us being vaccinated, then we're going to be able to get back to normal, then I'm like, well, you know what, I pay my taxes, so I'll pay this tax, which is getting vaccinated. And that's how I how I see it. You know, I want to travel. I want to have my business be, you know, in a, in a better position. I want my friends' businesses because I've got a few friends that are in the events industry and there's, you know, their business has gone up 100% down to nothing, up to 100% down to 20%, up to 100% down to 20%. That's not survivable, you know, when you think about the quiet times in the city right now. You know, we went into the city yesterday, me and my family, to have lunch together and I walked into uh, the Crown and Scepter, which is a a great um, pub in Adelaide here, and walked in and said, oh, we've got a booking, and the guy didn't even take my name. He said, oh, yeah, your booking's out the back because we were literally the only people there. And that's not okay for businesses, right? So when we talk about building optimism, we have to think about the realities of the circumstances that we're in as well because the reality is is the government has made decisions that has impacted particularly smaller businesses. And given that South Australia is, what do I say, 85% SME small business, that's a huge Mm. chunk of people who've been um, quite negatively affected, not by the COVID virus, but by the government response to the COVID virus. Mm. I mean, we um, we were chatting about this um, just before Christmas and then after Christmas where, you know, the public sector decided that they would send all of their employees home, which is around about, what, 130,000 employees or something. Most yeah. of them based in the city. Yeah. Check. Well, well- well, no, fact-checked by oh, yes. Irma Ranieri on, uh, on the last podcast that we just had, which was 70-odd uh, thousand of frontline workers and not necessarily based in the city. There's only about 15,000 15, based, based in the city, in the city. So. yeah, which is still a large workforce for Adelaide CBD. Absolutely. So, you know, sending Correct. them home, it's not about just those 15,000 though, is it? It's the, the businesses that follow suit 
because the public sector are the yeah, biggest employee, the, employer the in the state. It's the BHP. Yeah, the that's Santos right. And everybody there, else so that's gone, well, you know, we'll send everybody home and, and, uh, and work from home. Mm. So that has a, a ripple effect and, and um, uh, you know, a ripple effect to businesses, a ripple effect to people, uh, to families, et cetera, et cetera. So those things are real and we're making choices around that. And to me, that I think is actually, if we're talking about optimism, that's the base of optimism is choice. Mm. Absolutely. Oh, look, there's one thing that uh, I always say to, to most people and when, uh, when they're trying to impart their, their opinion onto me um, is uh, my, my first question back is to shut down the conversation, right? Because I, I don't want to get involved in a long, lengthy conversation on the benefits of vaccines or the, the, health, the, the, the negative like the negative impact of vaccines. I don't really... I've made my decision. I've gone forward with my choices. You can do what you want with your body and your family. So literally, to shut any conversation down now, I just say, okay, where did you get that information from? I'm really interested, like academic report. Mm. Where did you get that from? And nine times out of ten, it's YouTube yeah. or Facebook. And so, I, and I just nod my head. I go, okay, cool. Yeah, well, I'm I'm choosing not to to be, you know yeah. follow any uh, information or you know that that's provided on those websites. So uh, I'll listen to the people who are the academics and actually study and put some time and yeah, effort into it. Yeah, so and I think at the end of the I'm day, at. it's up to you to choose. You know, one. Uh, I remember when I was researching uh, vaccinations when I was pregnant with my first child. Uh, because I had a lot of people that I was um, uh, surrounded by who were very much uh, anti-vaxxers, right? So I was going, okay, well, they have a they have a right to that. They have some really great knowledge around that as well. One of them was a health professional. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to look at this myself. And I started reading articles and uh, I ended up finding these two, you know, peer-reviewed academic articles that I was reading. One was about, yes, you, sh you must vax. The other was, no, you must not vax um, your children. And both articles had cited the same study. So, and they were using this same study to support their argument for or against yeah, it's like a year 12. Yeah, that's debate, right. And I went, well, you know what? At the end of the yeah. day, that's the reality with science is science doesn't know in everything, right? It's, it's, a, um, it's yeah. you know, going backwards and forwards and figuring it out along the way. And, you know, what we know, knew at the beginning of the pandemic is very different to what we know now. Um, and the decisions that we made, you know, midway through the pandemic are probably different decisions that we know now because we know things different. Uh, some things have been proven, some things have been disproven, you know, and, and that to me is the reality of science, right? That's, that's the beauty of it is that yeah. we can actually come into it um, with a bit of faith, right? We have, a, have to have a bit of faith, you know, whether your faith is in, you know, science or whether your faith is in something else, it's still faith. And we have to make the right decision for ourselves in all of this. Absolutely. And I think that's the most critical point is that there's no one no. size fits all for everyone. You make the decision yeah. with your history and family history and absolutely, and that's exactly it right. Be. It's based on you, you know, you know your yeah. body better than anyone, and it's yours to make yeah. that decision. Uh, I I want to um, talk about like a big 
what I believe, and you and I, we do this a lot within our business, is especially from a you know, communications is a big part of our and, and strength where we can help businesses grow and, and improve and, and get some messages out. One thing we have seen is really poor communication from uh, from the technical or the experts, I guess. I think you know they're, they're, they're putting out this really amazing vaccines and the way they've done it but really not communicated it clearly and left a lot open to mm. interpretation. We see that quite a fair bit in businesses, even if they're going through a culture change or a digital transformation change. Why is it that businesses really struggle with clear and concise communication um, or mm. governments for that matter or whoever? Why is it that communication is always one of those areas which really struggles uh, and then... That's where you hear a lot of the, uh, you know, the ifs, buts and maybes and what yeah, ifs come yeah. out of it. So um, why is communication so hard? Why does it not happen mm. in a consistent way? Why can we not get the messages out that we need to get out? And the short answer is because we're people. <laughs> we're people. We're human. That's just the way we communicate. Um, yeah. We believe our own truths. That's really what it is. And every time we come at yeah. some sort of communication, even when we're trying to be as impartial as possible, we're still coming at it from the point of view of I want to influence and convince, you know, essentially convince you that what I'm saying is correct. So if I come at my communication yeah. from that point of view, it's actually it's ego-based communication So because it's about my message and making sure that you listen to my message and agree with my message. Um, mm. If we come at communication from that point of view, we'll always get it wrong. All right, we'll always get it wrong. This is why, you know, you hear change managers talk a lot about the what's in it for me, the W-I-I-F-M, you know, what's in it for me. Yeah. And look, that's a, basically a short form version of saying we need to understand the other people in this communication flow. We need to understand what they're actually thinking about, what they're actually listening to, what they're, what's important to them in this particular moment. And that's the only way we're going to actually cut through all of the noise because you think about all of the noise that's out there right now. Like you just, for you personally, Dan, your inbox, all the stuff that comes into your inbox, right? I know for me, I've got, you know, it's separated out into this is the stuff I have to address and this is the stuff that I can go and have a look at, you know, the the folder of the, yeah. whatever it's called, the unfocused folder or whatever it is, Microsoft thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but when I look at that and I go, okay, I've now got 100 emails in this other folder I rarely look at any of them. I may scan through and I might go, oh, okay, that one looks like it's somewhat interesting to me. And it's generally if it says something in the subject that I'm thinking about in that moment, that's the thing mm. that I listen to. That's what I pay attention to. Otherwise, there's a hundred messages there that I won't listen to, that I won't actually, I won't even hear them. Right. So if we're always coming from the point of view of this message has to be heard by that person and I'm going to say it in a way that I believe to be true, then our communication is always going to hit, like not hit the mark. It's just not. 
you know, I, we quite often um, talk about um, communication does not equal conversation. It doesn't equal dialogue, right? So communication in businesses a lot of the time is we've put something up on the website or we've sent out an email, um, we've told people about this at a, you know, a, a town hall or whatever it might be in that sort of group environment. Um, and we do that for effectiveness. We do that for efficiencies, not effectiveness, but efficiencies. Mm. We do that because... Yeah, no. you can't have a one-on-one meeting. Yeah, that's right. So, um, But we know that to actually get better outcomes in communication, communication is two-way, right? It's me speaking to you about something, you asking questions about it, you disagreeing with me potentially, me kind of going, oh, yeah, that's an interesting point or I have to think about that, me thinking about that, coming back with something different and us having a dialogue that's communication, right? And that's actually effective communication. We may still leave the conversation going, no, I still believe what I believe, but at least we've had an opportunity to think it through together. And I feel heard, you feel heard. We go, yes, we've, we have actually had that com- communication. We have actually, we know about that. Whereas most of our communication, particularly in business, is one-way communication, right? It's one-way um, traffic, and we send out an email into an inbox into somebody who's working and they potentially are working, you know, their 8.30 to 5.30 um, time slot. Um, they're going from meeting to meeting to meeting. They're answering the emails that they need to because it's like, can you please answer this question and urgently? They're doing the five minutes in the office kind of deal. You know, can I just have a quick co- conversation in the hallway? Is it any wonder that we have um, probably, you know, I'm going to use a, uh, pull it out the air, 80% of people, let's say, that say, I didn't, you didn't tell me that. I never knew that. Yeah. Well, that, that, that was going to be the question I was going to ask now, which, which is, as a leader, let's say we're a C-suite or general management or director level or, mm. you know, what have you, that, that, that high executive level within a business and you have this sort of push and pull of, of the, the greater workforce saying, you know, be transparent, right? As part of a great culture, be transparent, communicate regularly, do all those things. And then when you do, you're not doing it well <laughs> enough or they're not listening to it yeah. or they're not reading it or it hasn't been communicated in a way in which uh, is transparent or, you know, so there's this big fall down. So how do we as leaders, especially to the leaders who may be listening in, how do they close the gap of that push and pull? What are several, is it just one form email? Is it, you know, what is it called? A magazine that goes out to the start? How do we include, especially for the larger organisations, smaller businesses are a lot easier, larger organisations where there's hundreds, if not, you know, thousands tens of thousands within a business how do we communicate Mm. across the board uh in a way that is heard Mm. more often than not um there's no one size fits all for that and there's no Mm. easy answer uh there is a place i think that you need to start which a lot of people don't start in this place it's really what do you want people to take away from the message that you're providing so if you're saying something about, let's say, a change that might be coming, 
What do you want people to do with the information that you're providing to them? So if you want them just to know about it, then sending an email or putting it on the uh, like the um, uh, notice boards or whatever, that's fine. That's fine. If it, like literally your your motivation is just to have the, the information now out there, then cool. It's all good. If there's an action that you yep. need people to take as a result of the um, the knowing of this thing, so change is coming and the action that I want them to take is to get excited about the change or understand that the change is there or the action is they have to fill out new paperwork to do whatever it is, um, then an email and a, you know, intranet communication is not going to cut it. It just won't. It will for some people because everybody thinks and, and behaves differently. So we have people out there who are very much, you know, send it to me in an email, I consume the email, I do what I need to do via that email, I, I get it done right? Absolutely. There are those people in business. And then there are people who are, you haven't actually talked to me about this at all. I don't feel like I'm involved and they need to feel involved in the conversation um, because that's just who they are, right? And then you've got people who are just so, you know, going, Poof, I'm so concentrating on what I'm doing right now. I don't give a stuff about what, el- what else is going on around me. I just need to be focused on what I'm doing and I'm not going to stop and, you know, stop what I'm doing. It might be I feel really uh, purposeful in what I'm doing. It might be really creative. It might be really enjoyable. It might be fun. It might be energizing. Why would I stop that to listen to this over here, which is kind of dull and boring and I don't want to know about it, right? Yeah. So there's all these different people in the organization that are um, receiving what you're putting out there. And this is where uh, we call it, say, stakeholder uh, analysis uh, in change management. So we're looking at who are the people that need to receive this message and what do we need them to do as a result of this message. And that then formulates how we then communicate with that message, right? So 90% of the people, I just need them to know that it's happening. Great. So an email will be fine. But the 10% of the people that I need something, you know, them to do something about it, then I need to focus on them. I might need to actually have one-on-one conversations with them. I might need to sit them down in an open forum team meeting where there's a small group and we can just talk it through together and make sure that I'm using my chairing skills to bring everybody into the conversation and not let passengers just sit in conversations and you know, twiddle their thumbs and play on their phone or look at the the ceiling, mm. right? Everybody has to be involved in that conversation if you need everybody in that room to do something about it. So I guess the, the short answer to that very complex question is we need to be much more targeted in our communication. Everybody doesn't need to know everything. Yeah. Some people need to know much more um, than others do. And some people need to know exactly what you need them to do to enable them to do it. You yeah, look, and it, I mean, that just appeals to the different yeah, brain thinking absolutely. styles and everything else that, that, that falls within. There's different, several different types of people and the way they think mm. and the way their brain works. So uh, building a communication yeah. style to suit. So in, in, in regards to building optimism then for 2022, yeah. right, there's a bit 
against us as, as businesses, corporations at the moment. There's obviously the ongoing Omicron event, pandemic. Let's not let's not look at small business here. I want to look at more sort of the larger larger business. But I mean, this this is this doesn't uh, well, this does affect everyone. But you got the Omicron variant, which is sending everyone else from, from home. So as leaders, it's really difficult to connect uh, with people um, and really sort of put out clear and concise messaging. Again, that communications piece. Then we've got workforce shortages, which is just really <laughs> causing some headaches for many, many people uh, and many, many businesses across Australia and the world. Uh, then we've got uh, this divide in what we believe to be important now versus, uh, you know, important in the future and what, what you know, then we, how do we work to the strategy? What is the business strategy considering that we're always just trying to, we're always being very reactive. So there's all this stuff that is pushing our backs against the wall. How do we, how do we get optimistic for 2022? I, I know I am, I just naturally am an optimistic person, but what about for those who are, you know, kind of struggling at the moment and need some uh, little bit of motivation? How do we how do we start? Yeah, um, well, there was a lot in that, and I kind of wish I'd brought my uh, my Harry Potter wand upstairs because I'm thinking <laughs> that we need a little bit of magic in that uh, in that description. Um, there is a lot in what you've just said there. There's a lot of things that are against us. Um, I know. Let's just explore what optimism is first, right? So I think okay. what people feel about optimism and the way they put it into practice and then the definitions that they have in their head about optimism can be somewhat different uh, because I, I know I hear from people that optimism is just, you know, thinking happy thoughts and, and being positive about everything and, you know, just moving forward into the, you know, the future with, you know, a smile on your face and all this sort of thing. And mm. to me, that's a really unrealistic version of what optimism actually is. That's what I would call the Lego movie optimism. You know, everything is awesome. Uh, it's the fake yeah. version of optimism. It's uh, I'm going to pretend everything's yep. great. I'm just going to think happy thoughts. I'm just going to, you know, put it out to the universe and the universe will provide kind of deal. Um and if that's what you believe and that works for you, more power to you. I know it doesn't work for most people, <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and it looks yeah. like it's not authentic. It looks like it's, it's faking it till you make it. Um, and look, there is a, um, I guess, a philosophy which is the act as if philosophy, right? So it's uh, if I want things to be more optimistic or positive in my life, then I'm going to act as if they are so that I, I bring that into my life. And to me, that's not about, um, you know, the secret or it's not about um, that. What's that thing that they do where they, the universe brings something to you because you just love attraction. Yeah, you just send it out there and it comes back again. To me, it's more about if you are in a, a, a open-minded place, which you need to be if you're going to be optimistic, right? So if you're open-minded, if you are looking for opportunities, if you are um, open um, and grateful for the things that are happening around you, you see things, you see the opportunities, right? Because they present themselves to you because you actually are looking for them and you see them. So I'm going back to that thing of we know 
that humans look for something to confirm what they believe to be true. So, you know, it's that old thing. Yeah. I've decided I'm going to buy a Volvo and now all of a sudden all I see on the road is Volvos, right? That's the way our brains work, mm -hmm. right? It's the, um, uh, yeah. there's a terminology for it. I can't remember. Confirmation, the confirmation bias, right? So we believe we know to be true. So if we flip that around and go, well, if I believe there are opportunities out there for me, even when things are a bit crappy, right? So we're in the midst of a pandemic and we can't travel right now and businesses are struggling and leaders are overwhelmed and um, people are just, you know, uh, mental health, they're struggling with their mental health because they're just feeling a bit hopeless. If we stay in that space, that's what we'll continue to see. Whereas if we say, okay, there are some, optim you know, there are some opportunities here that I could grab hold of. It might not be the exact thing that I wanted, but it is still an opportunity, all right? It's like, all right, I want to travel. I can't travel overseas. If I get myself lost in the fact that I can't travel overseas and I'm going to stay in that negativity, I'm going to stay in that pessimism, whereas it's, okay, but I want to travel. That's what I want to do. Well, gee, there's a lot of places in South Australia I haven't seen yet. So actually I can go and have holiday moments in South Australia. I can go travel to places that I haven't experienced before and have that experience. Yep, it's still not going overseas. It's still not the same. You still don't get that whiff of the airplane, you know, taking off. <laughs> yeah. But it's still yeah, something absolutely. that you can actually see as an opportunity and be grateful for that. So there's... Um, Brene Brown's just released her new book, which is called Atlas of the Heart. And it's all about emotions, right? It's a, it's basically, it's a textbook. This is how I'm looking at it. It's like a textbook for emotions. It's got all of these different emotions and experiences. And she's gone through, through her research and explained these emotions and experiences. So it's really great for people who I struggle a little bit in that space, you know, is it, am I, am I feeling overwhelmed or am I just feeling a little tired? You know, it, it'll help understand that mm -hmm. stuff. But one of the things that she says in the book, and I think the key message for me that came out of it, which I was quite grateful for is that language is really powerful. Language will help shape yeah. who we are. So if we believe that things are, uh, terrible and negative. It's like we're always going to be this way. We're never going to get out of this pandemic. Every business is failing. You know, everybody's having mental health issues. All of you know, everything's a disaster waiting to happen. If we continue to use that language, that actually shapes who we are. So it's very hard to be optimistic when you're using pessimistic language. So the first thing we need Absolutely. to do, and this is really, really important in organizations, is to stop using the negative language, is stop catastrophizing everything. It's like, okay, we're making this change and everybody hates change. No, that's not true. Not everybody hates change. They may hate it the way you're doing it right now. Yeah, potentially, but not everybody hates change. All right, so we need to get out of that language of catastrophizing. We need to get out of that language of everything and everyone and everybody um, and actually become a lot more pragmatic. So I think when we're talking yeah. to organizations, because one of our key company values is optimism. And when we talk about optimism to our people and to our clients and to other people is we call ourselves 
optimistic realists. And that's a really important distinction that we're not just everything is wonderful, everything is happy, go out and, you know, put your smile on your face and away you go and it's all sunshine and rainbows. It's actually what can we do to take advantage of the opportunity that's actually here? How can we support each other to get through the hard times? Is it okay to feel sad today? Because I know tomorrow, um, actually, it'll, I'll probably be okay because I was okay yesterday, you know. And I think that's a really important thing, um, which is something like uh, Gabby and I were chatting. So, you know, Gabby is our uh, podcast manager and producer. So uh, we were chatting about optimism almost being like a way of avoiding things because it's like, okay, I'm just going to put on a happy face and I'm going to avoid all the emotions that I'm actually feeling right now. And it's just like, oh, I'm going to smile and I'm going to pretend. That is so draining for people. And if you are a... And, and, and I must admit... It's, it's totally fake. fake. It's completely it's, inauthentic. It's, people have got a very good bullshit Absolutely. <laughs> and, that's and that right. That's and, exactly uh, right. And I think, you know, if you are a leader that's walking into your team and you're constantly like, everything has to be happy, you know, leave your, leave your baggage at the door, let's all be happy here. Yeah. That's a huge amount of pressure for people. Right. That's in your team. If that's what they believe is like, I have to only bring my happy self to work. I can't actually bring the self that is feeling um, this tough stuff right now. That's feeling like, oh, I'm actually I am feeling a little hopeless at the moment. And but but I'm not allowed to say that. I can't say that here, you know, because we all have to be everything is awesome here. You know, and that that's really yeah. difficult. That's draining. And I often wonder if people are more overwhelmed by that than they are actually by the circumstances. They're actually by the, uh, you know, the situation that they're going through. Yeah, it's funny. I'll, behind me, there's a book that I read when I was uh, starting off my journey. It was given to me quite early, which is the Think and Grow Rich, oh, yeah. right? Napoleon Hill a classic but in there he it language was a huge uh driver in the way you talk to yourself mm-hmm. right the, you know so, so give yourself affirmation every day think positively visualize so the the secret the, the book the secret the law of attraction all this i don't believe hard and fast exactly what they're saying in the way they've spun it it's all you know woo woo but from like from a foundational point of view of being optimistic in the sense of what is the best case scenario when you talk about optimistic realist what is the best case scenario that we can achieve out of this right let's aim for that you know it's the old saying shoot for the star uh, shoot for the stars and if you hit hit the moon then you're still in a good position right so it's all it's all the above and i think for uh for you and may it's something that we like you said, is one of our core values is optimism. But it's something that we've really trained ourselves mm-hmm. to become optimistic. And that's not to say when we watch the news, we don't get that Absolutely. sick feeling, right? I get that sick feeling every time Marshall Spurrier and Nick St- and, and Stevens come on the on the television. There's this sense yeah. of anxiety that so comes in almost post-traumatic mm. stress that, that, uh, that sinks in. But then you look. Then once you take that away, think about things logically. What's the best case scenario? What's the worst case scenario? Okay, well let's do everything in our power to position ourselves for that best case scenario. That's yeah. optimism, right? Let's. Whereas the 
the pessimism comes from well, it's all yeah. it's all useless, right? Let's let's That's not even right. try it's anything. All hopeless. So mm. it, optimism, like you said, one hundred percent is not walking around thinking that everything's randy dandy. <laughs> it's it's not going to work like that. It just doesn't no. work like that. Things just don't happen. You actually have to get up yeah. and make it happen, right? You have to get up and improve or do something different. And, you know, the word of 2020, pivot, right? You have to do something that will position yourself so that you can uh, can you know gain yeah, some extra yards yeah, yeah i think it's really important as well to think about um it, it actually is okay not to be optimistic at times it, it really is yeah, you know absolutely. i mean i i um give myself what i call my 24 hours of wallow right so if something happens mm. and it's something that's you know i'm, I'm finding um overwhelming or i'm finding that i've had a uh you know a um a quite an emotional response to it uh, and it feels quite negative or feels heavy uh, on my shoulders, yeah. I say to myself, okay, you can have up to 24 hours of wallow in this moment, right? You can feel sorry for mm. yourself. You can feel whatever you want to feel, right? If you want to feel angry, you go feel angry. If you want to feel sad, you go feel sad. If you want to feel, you know, um, frustrated with everyone around you, then you can feel that. And that's my 24 hours of wallowing in my emotions. Um, and I use the term wallow because what I want to do is action orient myself to go, I, can't, I don't want to just stay there. Like I want to feel the emotions and I want to yeah. be able to go, yeah, I'm experiencing this and this is where I am in this time, but I don't want to get trapped in the emotion, right? So I say the 24 hours of wallow, more often than not, it's 10 minutes, or half an hour, you know, yeah. sometimes, yeah, it's I'm going home and I'm spending the evening, you know, watching stupid TV and having a glass of wine and going, I, okay, now I feel a little bit better, and but it's taken a few hours to get me out of that. Yeah. But again, it's the power of language I find that if I can go or I've got myself 24 hours of wallow time, you know, I'll just wallow in this emotion and float around in it, to me it's also something that's external, you know, even though emotions are internal, I go, okay, it's something I can deal with because it's like I'm just a little chilly waddling around in this, this you know, state, whatever state I'm in, um, and that means that I can get out of it. So it's not that it's taken hold yeah. of me. I'm not going to be angry forever at this circumstance. My grandmother said to me, and this is one of the best learnings she gave me, was when um, I think she was in her, she must have been in her 80s when we were having this conversation. And I remember saying to her at one point, you know, my granddad was a little tough to deal with sometimes. I was like, man, you know, how do you, how did you deal with him, you know, all these years and you're married for like 50 odd years and, you know, you've lived this big life. And, and she said to me, she goes, you know, she says, we had our ups and downs through our marriage and we had some really tough times and, she said, you know, and, the, and I was sad at times. I know this. I know it intellectually. I know I was sad. She lost a, a baby through stillbirth, right? So she's like, I know I was sad about that. I know I felt that. But it's an intellectual thing now. It's, it's literally just something that is a memory. It's not something that I've taken into my body. And when I thought about it, I'm like, man, that's so true. Like when you look back over your life, you can go, yeah, I know I was really angry about that, but now, now I'm not. Like I don't, I don't feel it at all. Yeah, I know I was really devastated and, and filled with grief. But, oh, hang on, now I'm not. 
right? So, and that I think to me is managing through the emotion and not getting, not getting captured by it, not getting stuck in it. Um, and to be honest, the people that I see that are, you know, where you would go, okay, oh, they're pessimistic. I don't know if they're pessimistic, but I think probably what they are is stuck in the negativity. They're stuck in the in the, yeah. the sadness. They're stuck in the grief. They're stuck in it because they they've almost wrapped it up in their identity. I'm now a person who is grief filled. I'm now a person who's angry all the time. Yeah. I'm now a person who is right, and it's based in the past without sort of moving through it, like managing through it and moving through it, which is something that every single person has the capacity to do. Yeah, look, we aren't psychologists <laughs> by any stretch in this, so this this start getting deep. But I think what one thing that I am hearing, and one thing that's really helped me, uh, it's a saying that's really helped me, which I think talks to what you're saying is that is the quote, "This yeah. too shall pass." Right, and when you look back at um, at things that have happened, you've gotten through it, right? And there's just a, at a another there's a there's a book that i really love and it is very alpha male and i'm not sure it's the the top of everyone's list but it's the david goggins uh book they can't hurt me which is where he talks about calluses of the mind or calluses Mm. of the brain and every sort of situation that you go through every really hard knock that you get you're building just yet another callus within your brain that you can get through and and that's what builds the resilience the one thing I do want to pick you up on or, or really deep dive into, I should say, is the when you say to yourself, I'm going to wallow in this, It's you're very self-aware in that moment that you are wallowing, right? And that's something, so catching yourself is a really difficult exercise to do or behavior to adopt. How did you get to the point where you're so self-aware to realize that your thought process is starting to waver. Yeah, so um, just to be clear, I say to myself, you're allowed to wallow for 24 hours in this, mm. right? So, so I give, give myself permission, permission to do it, yeah. So I'm not but telling myself to think, do it. Yeah, yeah. Correct. But it's permission to you, feel. Yeah. Permission to feel is really what Absolutely. it is. Um, there's a, actually a great book by um, Mark Brackett, his name is, and it's called Permission to Feel. And, and he talks okay. about um, almost the, the, uh, the structural elements of being able to move through emotion and really um, tackle it. So um, I, I think personally, and I can only speak from personal experience here, but my personal experience has been that I spent probably the first 25 to 30 years of my life uh, compartmentalizing um, and being very um, and avoiding emotion uh, because I felt that I had to. You know, I came to Australia when I was nine years old and uh, that was, you know, I was just came here with my parents. So all of my family were left behind overseas. So, you know, when you think about that as a nine year old, essentially, I've lost all of my family, right? A, it's huge, it's right? Issue. So it's actually quite um, quite a trauma that we don't actually uh, think about it being a trauma, but it is. Um, you know, my little nine-year-old self when I now no longer have a family, right, and no longer have a family. Mm. So I had to compartmentalise that because I also was very aware that my parents had brought me to this new country to give us better opportunities, 
So this is where that inauthentic optimism kind of starts to play out for people. And that's when it definitely played out for me was I have to be positive about this experience, even though I hate it here. Like I hated Australia when I first came because I was bullied all the time for the way I spoke. Right. So the first uh, probably four or five years of my experience of Australia was that everybody here, and I used the term every, so that's the everyone, because uh, that's where I was, everyone is horrible here. Every Australian is a bully. Every Australian thinks that I don't belong here, right? So that's where I was at. And I started comp- compartmentalizing. So if you're bullied at school, you shut yourself down. That's just, well, that's what I did. I shut myself down. So it's like, you can't hurt me. If I don't feel, you can't hurt me. And I reckon I went through until I was about in my late 20s at least before I started to go, this is not a good place for me to be. Like this is not okay for me. But it took me at least another 10 years to be able to start working through that and then it took me another probably 10 years after that before I got to the place where I'm at, right? So if you're quick with maths, you know how old I am now. But... (laughs) yeah ancient Ancient. exactly (laughs) but it really when I think about it it was um it wasn't until the end of 2019 where I had uh, quite a significant burnout physical burnout and which was actually an emotional burnout but it manifested physically that I started to really think about I need to do this differently I need to do it differently I always had my 24 hours permission to wallow kind of situation because I think at that time, it was also, I was using it as an avoidance technique. So I was like, I don't want to feel the emotion, so I'm just going to be okay with the emotion for a bit. But I really wasn't. I really wasn't. So yeah. it takes a long time to really sort that stuff out. And I know it sounds really kitsch, but, you know, um, when you go past your 40th birthday, you really do start to go, hey, okay, I'm seeing the, I'm seeing the finish line over there. It's way closer than it used to be. And Mm. for the last four years, this is how I've behaved. And a lot of it's not really serving me. You know, and you start letting go of that need to be everything to everyone. And, And I don't know if it's the 40th birthday or it's just that period of life or, you know, my children are a bit older now and I was, you know, doing okay in my career. So it's period of life rather than age, let's say. But I know there's a lot of people out there that have experienced the same thing that, you know, now into their 40s or 50s, they're like, ah, all that crap that used to happen, whatever, I don't care as much anymore. And the reality is most of them don't care as much anymore. And it's not a negative not caring. It's not a malicious not caring. It's not a avoiding not caring. It's actually going, hey, I'm actually okay the way I am and I don't need to Um, I don't need to be that person anymore. I can still feel the way I'm feeling. I can still get on with life and and I'm okay, right? That's not everybody, believe me. I've met a lot of 55, 65, 70-year-olds that still behave like they're, you know, 12 (laughs) (laughs) and they haven't uh, matured emotionally. But, uh, you know, it, it does happen for a lot of people, but I generally think that it doesn't happen unless you put the work and effort into making it happen. So I've done personally a lot of personal work 
um, including therapy, including deep diving with psychologists, et cetera, et cetera, to really understand my own personal experiences and how to manage through that. So I've, I've done a lot of that work myself. Um, but I've done a lot of it by myself. I remember in my, I think it was my late twenties when I first picked up Dr. Phil's Life Matters book. And he talks about, you know, the, what is it? The 10, 10 pivotal moments, the seven pivotal questions and the five pivotal people. And to really understanding those helps you understand where you are in life. So I remember doing that in my late twenties. I think that was probably the start of the process, you know, gotta love Dr. Phil, of course. Yeah, I think, well, Dr. <laughs> Phil. I think, uh, I think it's a, it's a really important point is that, and especially for the leaders or the, the people who are listening into this podcast is that we, we have business strategies, we have business plans, we have business goals that we work to every single day. And it's really scary and I don't know the exact percentage on this but I believe it's scary that we actually don't have those plans and strategies for our own Mm. life right so um, we're very good at writing down what's best for the business but not very good at what's writing down writing down what's best for us so for me that was a big learning curve um, into becoming much more optimistic and becoming much more self-aware and much more comfortable with my emotions and being able to deal with them like like you uh, I definitely, I definitely go through those emotions, and there are some days I just don't want to speak yeah. to any everyone. But it's about because of what I'm doing is trying to sort out what's going on in my head and, and trying to figure out a logical solution in which I can get through this or how I get past this. So, the picking up of a book uh, I read, and as you can see, there's a lot of books in the background here. Is I read based on mood. I read based on what is my what are the gaps. So I kind of look. I don't know if you've ever played. A game on I'm a, I'm a gamer by heart. It, it, as a child, I grew up playing a lot of games, and and you you would create your own avatars, mm-hmm. right? So you would create someone, and I would always create someone that looked like me. So he was a strapping <laughs> young man. Um, That's right, head full of and, hair, uh, <laughs> and <laughs> and he had lots of hair, and uh, and so you would you would. I would create this character and you could build the, the strengths and weaknesses. And let's say it's a soccer game and there's agility, there's speed, there's power, there's strength, all the above. And you would go, all right, which one kind of suits me, right? How, how would I rate myself if I was going to be and put myself into this soccer game? And so I actually took that and almost made a list for my life and go, what is, what are my strengths for life? Like, what is my listening skills like? What is my empathy mm. skills look like? What does my compassion skills look like? What does my leadership skills look like? And I would almost rank them out of 100, right? So you would say, actually, my listening skills are 50 at this point. And that was definitely one that I was a really horrible listener. Uh, and so I put in a lot of time and effort into becoming mm. better. But I found books on to becoming a better listener. I found books on empathy. I found books on how to improve in those areas. And I really sort of went down this path of learning uh, for myself as to what I believe my mm. gaps are. And then from that, you really understand your strengths as well. So you can start working on them and tweaking them and finding little things. So that was just, you, you talked about 10 mm. years plus 10 years and then it, it is definitely a journey. It's definitely something you know, you're not going to change no. overnight. No, but, it's, a, it's a long-term. You know, bit by yeah, bit. Yeah, and I think the, the reality is, is that everything that worth having uh, takes a long time to get 
right? So it doesn't happen Absolutely. just, you know, overnight. We could say, you know, go be optimistic, put a smile on your face and away you go. Um, but that's not true. Um, I am curious though, Dan, I, I, I was listening thinking, wow, that's really cool because it's almost like you've built your avatar for life. You've got this vision in your mind about who you want to be. I'm curious about, um, one, what the benefits has been for you looking like now looking forward as well. But has there been anything that you've built into the avatar that's held you back? Well, that's a, that's a good question. Yeah. What podcast is this? Um, <laughs> the, <laughs> look, ev- everything, there's, there's everything that, that uh, has the ability to hold you back, right? So it, it really is about application. For me, one thing that um, I really focused on was becoming uh, very aware of, of the surroundings and, and almost trying to lead and grow myself to a point where I can mm. achieve anything, right? So in actual fact, my mindset is I can achieve anything. Tell me what I need to do and I'll go and do it, right? Like that's and, and, and if I can't do it in that particular time, I'll pick up a book or I'll mm. seek a mentor or I'll speak to a coach or whatever it might be and I'll find yeah. the way to deliver on that. Uh, what actually happens to me now is that I get so caught up in what I'm doing that if I don't achieve it, I actually really, it really mm. hurts me internally. Yeah. So I don't know what behavior that is. So I don't know where to put that on mm. the avatar of how to fix that problem. Because And, it's an, and it was a co- like conversation that I was having with Irma in our last podcast, Irma Ranieri in the last podcast was control is one thing that I don't know. Maybe I've got too much or maybe I'm maxed Mm. out in control. How do I actually bring that back? How do I actually make the avatar go the other way? Um, So these are sort of things that I'm trying to work out in my own mind because when I don't have control, that's when anxiety kicks in. That's when the blood starts to boil. That's all all those sort of um, triggers that sort of set off. Um, And for me, it's really about how do I... How do I actually become comfortable with others taking the lead? Mm. How do I become comfortable with the situation just playing it out? Even though I saw it, it wasn't going to play out that way. How do I become comfortable with that situation? So, look, that's Mm. one thing that I'm really trying to work on personally. And I I know a lot of people would go through the same sort of scenarios in their life. It's So we're all Yeah, I think that's a beautiful no, I did, really absolutely. I think it's a beautiful example of the identity struggles that we can have um, in life as well. And, you know, when you think back to what I was saying before about, you know, sometimes we can use optimism to mask everything. And if we start to believe that this is just who we are, that we have to, you know, almost like pound down all the bad stuff and push it away because I'm I'm just optimistic um, we can get wrapped up in that identity and then lose so much around it, you know. Um, but I'm I'm interested as well of exploring because I mean, we optimism obviously is an emotion experience that we have as humans and individuals, and a lot of optimism sits within us. But when we're looking at it from a group um, point of view, or we're looking at it from an organizational point of view, and you know, you mentioned earlier on about, um, you know, the, the workforce issues. And I think that's a, a really uh, probably a, a practical, pragmatic example of where optimism is almost going to hold you back 
from being able to be practical in what we need to be doing. Um, Because, you know, the reality is, is that, you know, the media are telling us that there is the great resignation. Um, The media are telling us constantly that, you know, the, uh, um, the, the workforce and the, and the um, employment market is really tough for employers, you know, and we're telling ourselves that constantly as well. So that's going back to that words and messaging is really powerful. So the more we tell ourselves that there are no great people out there, then the more we will experience not being able to find great people. And, and I find it. Yeah, you yes. can, can, can I just Please uh, do. jump into that? Do you, do you find that if we're telling ourselves that there aren't great people, right, because that's what the media is telling us, we then tell ourselves actually it's going to be really hard. There's no skill, there's no skill set out there that we need. Do you believe that you'd walk into that recruitment office, like when you're, or sorry, the interview, when you are recruiting with that mindset? that you don't see the opportunity in the person sitting on the other side of the, of the room. Absolutely, mm. yeah. Yep. I would say that that probably happens more than it doesn't happen. Um, and as much as we try mm. to be impartial, if we are entering a room with that in our mind, then that's what we will see, right? So the person won't be mm. as great, whatever we've defined as great. Because the reality is, is we don't take the time to g- define what great people actually are. Like, what is a great person for our business? What is a great person in our mind? Like, what I believe is a great person is different than what you believe is a great person. So, you know, even just using those terminology, there's no great people out there. Actually, there are. There are really, really great people out there. Um, but they might not fit yeah. into the box that you've created. And I think this is a really important um, distinction between, you know, creating a culture that actually welcomes people into the organisation versus creating a culture that has a one-size-fits-all approach and you have to fit within this box. So, you know, maybe I am a more uh, negative person, right? And we're all optimistic here, so you're not allowed to come into our business. Well, actually, what we're missing out on then is potentially some realistic um, conversations, potentially some robust um, debate around some things that we believe to be true. Um, We lose the opportunity to uh, be a positive influence in that person's life as well, right? So if we've gone, they're not the great person that we're looking for because they've got this, you know, um, negative approach, it's like, is it a negative approach? Is that just the language that we're using and the definition that we've put onto it? Or actually, are they just working in a very critical-minded place? Like they're really thinking deeply about something and they are exploring all of the sides, not just the positive and negative, but they're exploring it as a whole. And sometimes there's, you know, negative crappy stuff in those holes. So it's like yeah. what what are we looking for firstly And then what are we actually experiencing? And it's coming from our own. This is where you get into that, you know, cognitive bias and all the rest of it stuff as well. Yeah. Um, But I think one of the things that I've noticed about organisations and, you know, this negativity around, oh, there's nobody out there and I can't find anybody is, (laughs) you know, we go back to that growth and fixed mindset. We've got a real fixed mindset around workforce 
like a really fixed mindset around workforce. It's almost like I've designed this job which looks like this and then a person applies for it that, oh, they don't kind of match exactly. And it's like, oh, yeah. well, well, oh no, they're not right. Yeah, exactly. Rather than going, you know what, I've designed this job. This is a design of me. I've written this down. I've, you know, I call it cutting the pie. I've cut the pie in the way I've wanted to cut the pie. What happens if I go, actually, what if I did that? All of a sudden I've got a great match, haven't I? And then this can go somewhere else. Why don't we do more of that? So for the people Oh sorry, yeah, yes, I'm, I'm doing I'm, I've got my hands up. Yes, sorry about that. For the people who are watching on video, you'll see my little hands up. Yeah. But for the uh, podcast people, so yeah. I've got two hands up with five fingers up, and the person yeah. that walks into the room has the thumb down. All right. But we're looking for somebody with five fingers up all the time. Whereas what we can actually do, if we put the thumb down on the, the actual job that we're looking for, then they match. Right. So Yeah. So what we're saying is that you've we've created the job correct. description. So we can change correct. the job description. <laughs> we can change the desire of what we need from the person. Absolutely. Right? And and the skill sets and you know, the word essential that might be in as part of uh, what's required for that job. We can totally. move that and change yep. that. If the person has the right attitude, the right behaviors, the right nows and you know the want and need and desire to be able to achieve we can change we can the absolutely yeah and i think you're 100 right there's too many times people have missed out on jobs it's like no they don't, they don't quite fit deal. they it's don't like, quite what? fit yeah. it's like but what do you mean yeah, by that yeah what do you mean yeah. by that they can't do the job oh they probably could do the job well what do you mean by that then Oh, well, they just, there was something, I don't know. Well, that something I don't know is not a good enough excuse to then complain about not being able to find good people later on down the track. It's like you're not always going to get superstars in your business. You're just not because not everybody in the world is a superstar, right? There are some, like a handful of superstars, absolutely. But actually, why can't you just have a star, rather than a superstar, mm. right? Why can't you actually just have somebody that's really great and effective in the work that they need to get done and, you know, a halfway decent person so they're not upsetting people around them. You know, there's probably way more of them yeah, out there. Sport- <laughs> well, there's a sporting analogy that fits in so nicely to that. It's like, you know, you're better off building a champion team. Absolutely. Of champions, yes, right? yes. It's, it's funny you say that because uh, my son, Connor, as you know, Dan, is a massive fan of soccer. Like he... He speaks soccer mm-hmm. constantly and he's reading all of these books from coaches and whatnot because he really likes the uh, the leadership and management aspect of it. And he was talking about Manchester United, which is his team and has been his team since mm-hmm. I think he was about five or six years old. And he said on the weekend, he said, you know, Manchester United are a great example of a club that takes brilliant stars and makes them mediocre, makes them mediocre because of the environment in which they are, right? So you look at Cristiano Ronaldo. If you if you don't know soccer, you probably still know Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah. He's the number one sports uh, paid, highest sports paid person in the world. Um, and if you're a female, you definitely know Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> 
But he um, he's been one known the, as one of, one of the best soccer players in the world for the past probably ten years or so. So he's gone to Manchester United and has actually, when you view him against other strikers, now seems to be a mediocre striker. This is the power of the group setting. This is the power of the culture. This is the power of getting someone and making them fit within your box instead of going, actually, we've got this great player who plays in this way, this way, and this way. We don't always play in this way. But to get the best out of him, we need to actually shift the way we're playing, not just get him to shift his play to meet us. And I thought that was a really great example of what we try and do with workplaces all the time is that we find these really uh, extraordinary people that might have these great ideas um, and their challengers. And then all of a sudden they start challenging us and they start saying different things that we think, oh, no, that's not what we want. Oh, no, that's not what we want. Oh, no, no. And then we shut them down and tell them to just get on with the job that we've placed them in here is the hole that we've placed you in you square peg right so round off your corners that's what we keep telling people round yeah. off their corners I, look I, I hate to always throwing quotes left right and center but this i mean steve Jobs said it best don't hire great people and tell them what to do hire great people and get them yeah. to tell you what to do right and, and if you actually live by that quote you'll find that you will build a much more diverse, a much more capable yes. team than the one that you feel like is the best yes. for your team, yes. right? So, absolutely. And that's the thing. So yeah. if we are looking at what can we do to build optimism in 2022 and one of the things that's holding us back from being able to feel optimistic in our workplaces is that we can't find great people, the technical or the tactical solution to that very complex adaptive problem is start looking at your like what you're actually looking for start looking at all of the barriers to entry for all of the great people that are actually out there in your business start looking at is the position that you've advertised actually one where there's talent for or can I split that position into three and do it in a very different way? Is it, do I have to um, go and hire someone to do all of this job or can I hire, you know, a junior person to do part of it and outsource the rest? Or can I hire a senior person, like a really experienced person to do a quarter of it and then delegate the rest somewhere else? Right, so we need to be thinking a lot more creatively in our workforces if we're wanting to build in optimism into our workforce. We can't keep being, um, we can't keep uh, just cutting the pie in the exact same way every time and then complain yeah. that we can't find somebody to fit within that piece of pie. Because we will yeah, stay I, in our pessimism and our negativity if that's the case, right? Yeah. You actually, uh, you actually brought up a very good example once, and I'm gonna, I'm probably gonna butcher it a little bit, but it, it was sort of let's imagine that there's three engineers, and those three engineers have, uh, have each have well, let's actually use, use round, round the numbers. There's four engineers, and each of them have 25% of their work is yeah. for admin, right? 25, 75% is actually engineering, 25% is for admin. 
with those four, what we can actually do to in, in order to actually get more engineering done is if there's an engineering shortage, then let's look at that 25% by four. That's 100% we could get an admin person in mm. to cover off. So they then, then all of a sudden we almost gain. And it won't obviously work out as beautifully yeah. as the math <laughs> does, but you, you, you get this extra um, productivity or out of those existing employees by just – uh, hiring an admin Absolutely. person to take on the extra pressure yeah. off, right? So that in itself is just another way. If the, and you use that example once enough. Yeah, well, work. I mean, the principle is absolutely correct. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it won't work out as beautifully or neatly as that every time, but the principle is there. And I know um, in the healthcare industry, so I worked in aged care for quite some time, and one of the elements um, that we were dealing with was we couldn't get qualified nurses sorry we couldn't get enough qualified nurses for the positions that we had and because of the legislation the way it was written you had to have a registered you know a qualified registered nurse on each shift so it was like well how do we go about doing that and really we started as a as an industry saying, well, what can we do so that instead of that registered nurse going around and doing all of the the baseline nursing, how can we get that registered nurse to be someone who floated across the entire shift? So we only needed one instead of 10. You know, where could we put the other work? And, you know, we came up with things like paraprofessionals. We came up with, you know, the care workers and what they could do and the enrolled nurses and what they could do in being supervised by rather than, you know, they couldn't do it at all before and now they get signed off. So, and it wasn't a perfect, uh, perfect system by any means, but I'm just using that as an example of getting creative with the way in which we're um, slicing up our workforce pie so that we can take advantage of the people who are there and also make sure that we're giving meaningful work to other people, you know, and delegating so that your example, that administration officer will be far better at the administration than the engineers will be, you know, and you wouldn't have an engineer that would absolutely deny that. They'd go, yes, please let an admin person do that administration work because they're way better at it than I am. I'm better at engineering, so let me focus there. You know, in the old days we used to have jobs that were manager and administrator and now we've cut all those out because the manager is now a senior professional and they've got their own project load and all the rest of it and they do their administration work, right? So it's three jobs in one all of a sudden and we're expecting to find somebody who loves, you know, reconciling their credit card statement at the same time as being strategic and visionary. It's like, come on, like, is it any wonder we're not being very optimistic about the uh, the future of our yeah, workforces? Well, from so moving towards rounding off the conversation, how do we? Where do we start if we feel like we've got our backs up against the wall, looking into twenty twenty? It's been a tough start already, right? There's this, this new variant Omicron, which is ravaging its way through. Like we seem to be past the mm. peak now, which is really exciting and. School's going back shortly and all this, all this, you know, things are starting to move back into the right direction, some routines potentially coming back. The government have announced an introduction of, of people back into the offices. The, um, 
the restrictions of 50 percent in the in you know the cafes and whatnot are uh, are starting to, to to come forward now so we're starting to see the move in the right direction but we could still be holding back mm. and just watching what's your advice for leaders now as of today and how to apply themselves you know we're right at the end of mm. january january 31st today looking into february yeah. and beyond what can we do to really position ourselves to be in the you know right frame of mind for the rest of yeah. 2022 i think the most powerful thing that you can do as a leader is something you personally can do is acceptance acceptance is actually the biggest um powerful motivator towards optimism than anything else um acceptance and let me just explain so accepting where we're at in the moment right accepting where we're at in the moment so if you know Eckhart Tolle's work you'll know the power of now and the power of you know this moment um really really important lessons for life the stress that we feel comes from the story that we've created about the thing that we want right so we've created this story the stress comes from sitting in the present moment, wishing for that and knowing that it's not here. So that's where that stress is, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas instead we go, we accept where we are and we find the op- opportunities in where we are. So, yeah, we've come back into 2022 and we've got this Omicron um, variant. What we know to be true is it's not as deadly as the ones in the past. Yay, that's awesome right? That's something to be optimistic about. People are getting over it quicker. Yay. That's something to be optimistic about, right? Yep. The, the government has made some decisions that not all of us agree with and we're all working from home again. Okay. Well, there's the things that I can do about working from home. I can connect uh, to different people via like doing this. This is an, an opportunity that we wouldn't have done if we weren't working from home, right? So it's like we need to find the opportunities in the things that we can control and be able to accept those things that we cannot control in life. And when we get ourselves wrapped up in all the things that we can't control, then, you know, it's it's an end to nothing for all of us. So personally as a leader, I need to be able to be mature enough to accept where I am, accept where we all are. And that doesn't mean that I'm condoning it, right? So condoning and acceptance is a very, very different thing. Acceptance is this is where I'm at and I need to look for my opportunities here rather than mm-hmm. always waiting for the next thing because we'll be always waiting. There will always be something, right? Every time. So there's always something coming over the hill, you know, whether if we look back mm. over all of the years since this year, past probably the last 100 years in every year you'll find something that we could have went oh my god that's the worst thing ever um right and yeah. the last i think the last two and a half years have been so hard because it's been such a collective of um of emotional load that the media has been promoting like you wouldn't believe because what do they do they make them they make their money out of people's fear Woohoo! this is a great time for them great opportunities yeah. But for leaders, it's let's accept where we are right now. Let's make um, 
make the most of where we are. Let's do what we can do. So if you're constantly saying, I can't do that because that's what we call a scarcity mindset. You know, there's only a, I can't do that because there's not enough time. There's not enough resources. There's not enough, you know, the government hasn't made that decision yet. I can't do this. I can't do that. Instead of that, go, okay, I can't do that. What can I do? That's a really simple way of starting to build optimism in yourself and your teams because we can all sit there and go, okay, I can't do that, but what can I do? And it might be really small. You know, how can I make this this change happen? And it might be really, really tiny, but, you know, baby steps are still momentum. Yeah, I'm going to echo what you say there because when you talk about accepting what is, and I don't want to go woo-woo here, but when you do look at the universe in all its glory and the way it works, there's day, there's night, right? There's The tide goes in, the tide goes out. The sun goes up, the sun goes down, right? So there's winter, there's summer. I feel like we are have gone through a really tough mm. winter. Like that's where we're at. And we need to now accept that. Like the tough winter's been, whether we're halfway through it or almost at the end of it, we're yeah. just beginning, I don't no. know, no one knows. But we need to accept that, that we're in this winter. But you can still be really warm and fuzzy in winter, right? Yeah, You can that's still build right. that fire. You can Where's still, the cuddly do you know blanket? what I mean? So it's, <laughs> yeah. Correct. So for me, it's about accepting mm. where we are and finding the yeah. silver lining um, and the opportunities that exist within that winter or the, 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 you know, the yin and the yang, yes. all this sort of stuff that is things that we hear so often. Um, and planning for, for the future is, is much mm. of the same. We are going to yeah. come across some really great times in our life and businesses and we're going to come across some Happy really yeah, horrible totally. times in our life and businesses. Yeah. And having that expectation and understanding that that's what's going to happen I actually believe makes mm. it easier, right? Because you're not setting yourself up for this, oh, yeah, it's always going to be great. Right? When you have that expectation and you put, you know, you talked about having that thought process of this is the way I think yeah. things should happen. When you think things should happen in this certain way and they don't is generally when yeah. you get really upset and anxious Absolutely. about it. Absolutely, yeah. So having some yeah. preparedness that, you know what, potentially this is the worst case scenario but I'm going to forge yes. ahead anyway. Yes, I totally agree with you. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, you know, we need to get out of this mindset of, um, you know, optimism being everything is, everything's going to be okay and be really pragmatic about it and go, you know what, this too shall pass. You know, things, things may or may not be okay. And that's actually okay because I can make some decisions in that. I've got choices in that. So I'm going to be really pragmatic in the way in which I'm approaching this uh, negative situation. And it doesn't mean that I have to pretend that I'm happy about it. That's not, it's got nothing to do with it. So it's about, I accept that this negative situation is happening and it's horrible and I'm sad or I'm angry or both probably. I'm frustrated and I'm going to be that way. And what can I do about it? So being really pragmatic to me is one of the keys to being able to be optimistic, you know? Yeah. 
And I think it's important to point out what I'm going to do about it. Can, can be, nothing. be nothing. Totally. Yeah, that's it because you've yeah. got a choice. Yes. It's a choice. Yeah. You, uh, you can absolutely go, no, no, I'm just going to sit this absolutely. one out and yes. see where it's at or, no, you know what, I'm just going to park that yes. put that aside. Like I think that's something really important. You don't always have to be doing something. Yes. Oh, thank you for saying that, Dan, because I think that's a really important thing, particularly for if we're talking about leaders in business and particularly leaders in big business. Um there is almost like this identity around leadership that you always have to have the answers and you always have to be moving forward and you always have to do this and that. And it, you know what? Actually, sometimes the best thing to do is just go, man, this is a crappy time. Let's just talk together about it. Let, do you want to go out to lunch? Let's everybody just go out to lunch or should we just knock off half an hour early because you know what? I, I want to go home and hug my dog today. You know, and that's okay. That's okay. The world will still be here when we get back the next morning. Yeah. Right? You know, the, the world's not going to stop turning because you've decided to, you know, go home half an hour early or not have a very productive meeting in the afternoon. It's like the world is still going to turn. Uh, it won't if we do that every single day for every single meeting. <laughs> no, it'll stop turning. Yeah. That's when we get stuck in that, you know, that negative emotion. It's a real balancing act between that. And there is, I think, a maturity in it. Um, and we call it, you know, obviously there's the the Carol Dweck um, uh, research around growth mindset and fixed mindset or infinite mindset if you're a Simon Sinek fan or whatever you want to call it. It's, it's really about that ability to accept where you are and make decisions to do something different into the future. That to me is in its very simple form. Um but yeah, whatever whatever philosophy you like to to work to. So one last question before we round up the podcast: what is what are you most excited about for twenty twenty two? What am I most excited about for twenty twenty two? I find that a difficult question because excitement is such a limited emotion, like it's such a fleeting thing. So let me let me rephrase it in my own brain to um, mm -hmm. what do I think 2022 is going to bring for me that's better than last year and the year before. So I think with 2022, I'm in a much better place uh, emotionally. Um, I'm in a much better place uh, personally as far as the work that I've been doing myself to manage, you know, some of the hard stuff. I think 2022 is going to give me the opportunity to put that into practice now because I'm in a in a, um, a, a weller position. I don't know if that's a word. I think I just made that up. Weller. <laughs> more well position Let's run with it. <laughs> I'm healthier yeah. that's probably you know um yeah. so I've got the opportunity to put more um of the things that I want to do into practice this year so I think that's that's really important I um yeah. I believe that 2022 is gonna be a year of uh getting um Maybe back to basics is probably a way, not back to normal, but back to basics again, you know, that we get back to a place or get, get to a place, not even back to, we get to a place where we can enjoy 
living our lives and running our businesses without the constant threat of um, the world shutting down. I, I, I am very optimistic about that as far as 2022 is concerned. And it's not to say that something might not come around the corner, it might not, you know, something negative might happen and all the rest of it, yeah. absolutely it will. It's your opinion but I feel that we've done enough learning as a society over the last couple of years to recognise that we need to start doing things differently to manage these, you know, pandemics if they come. So I'm pretty optimistic about that. What about you? Yeah. I am, you're right, the question, uh, excited is probably the wrong word. What am I looking forward to? What am I optimistic Mm. about? Should we use that word? We've gone through a lot. There was a big lull. You know, we were in the heart of winter in 2020 Absolutely. from a business perspective. Um, 2022, there's some really exciting things coming in the way of our business. And I think both I'm both scared and, um, and optimistic. Like for, for me, the, this year will be probably one of the bigger years of, of from my learning in both how to be a leader, in both how to set up a business for scale, in both um, all in all the above of, of me personally mm. and how to manage my own self and my own time and my own family and, and pursue the loving relationships that I want to whilst trying to build the success mm. within us and ourselves and the team. So there's, I can already see there's a lot of management of self and and expectation setting and goal setting so yeah we're we're doing some really wonderful things and like our team is just the next level yeah yeah i don't really i don't know the next level i'm if i'm going to use the term excited i am excited to see how the team can really come together and build um something even more amazing than what we've got because we've got such great people in our in our team yeah i agree and i think that's the i think that's the bit that i'm scared <laughs> of is that you know because you as a leader you you're always like well what, what do we do to keep making these people happy and what do we do to keep making them so they're fulfilled in their work and so we can continue growing and getting more similar more mm-hmm. diverse or whatever what word you want to people in who are willing to achieve so there's so much that yeah. goes on as a as a leader of a company is that you want all these great things but then you've got to be really and i think you and i i've explained to you the other day it's like i'm just waiting for another you know uh loop in that roller yeah. coaster <laughs> to come up because it's, it's exactly yeah. what it is so i think for me what am i looking forward to is the opportunities i'm realizing mm-hmm. those opportunities for 2022 yeah. But I don't want to do it with one eye. Yeah, <laughs> I think. Know, yeah, and I think that's important. That's part of that pragmatic realism in optimism. Is um, optimism is something like everything? I believe that there is a macro to it and a micro to it, and then there's everything in between. So the micro of how I'm feeling optimistic personally and how I'm getting on with things and learning and growing 
up to the macro of what the world is doing as a global pandemic and how that works to everything in between, you know, to how our, our team is responding to that and to how we're growing our business and growing our culture. Um, so that, cause I, I'll, I'll give you the same advice I would give any leader is if you want to keep your people, you focus on your culture, right? So you focus on your business. Mm. You don't focus on making a person happy. You focus on creating an environment whereby people can be happy and they can be fulfilled and they can take on opportunities. And that's really what, that's and flourish, life. that's exactly right. That's really um, our opportunity uh, moving forward is we've got a great foundation in really experienced and capable um, people who are great at the work that they're great at the jobs they do. They work well together and they enjoy working with us. That's the foundation, that's not the end point. That's the foundation. Yeah. So now it's next. What's next for us? Like what's next level for us so that we don't worry about people coming and going because we know that people will always be coming and we know people will go as well. But the reason that they'll go is, you know, for things that are out of, out of our um, control. Correct. Very good. 2022, 2022 bring, it on. bring it on. That's right. We're going to be pragmatic and optimistic. <laughs> Absolutely. I think we're already uh, being one month down. Is already I can't believe I feel like I've blinked and January's mm. disappeared. Gen like, what I am going to be happy about is no one, I think from February 1st, you can't say no. <laughs> or Merry Christmas. Not allowed to do that anymore. Yeah, I always were. <laughs> yeah. February. Yeah, that's it. Anyone that says to me, yeah. throwing a tomato at me or something. <laughs> No, That's very good. It. Thank you very much Thank for your you. time today, Michelle. It's always great uh, hearing your insights. Um, and, and, yeah, just obviously, yeah, your pragmatic approach to, to, uh, to business, to building culture, to being a great leader, to, to um, really working towards an optimistic future as yeah. well. Thank you for everything Thank that you, you're Dan. doing. Thank you, This has been great and, uh, you know, optimistic about the podcast moving forward. You've already had one of my favourite people in the world on. So far, Irma, Irma Ranieri, I love her. It's one of my favorite oh, people. Irma, yes. So, yes. Irma yeah. Is, uh, she's yeah. a superstar. We've got really a lot of positive comments Absolutely. from that podcast. It's only been out for a couple yeah. of days and it's um, she's a doing superstar. wonders. So, she's been she's Absolutely. Been Good one. Thank you. Excellent. Thanks, Happy everyone. 2022. We will catch you next time. Yes. Yes, have a great year and check into the podcast. We would love to. Uh, we would love to uh, have, have you on the journey, and we're going to be speaking to some really wonderful and amazing people throughout the year. We've got we've got a great list of people already booked in. Um, always with the same thought patterns of of all my questions will always come from a point of curiosity um, and learning, and and how do we uh, how do we get the best in information in the shortest amount of time possible? So. Uh, that's where we're going. Good one. All right, guys. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks, Michelle. Thanks for listening to the podcast all. You can check out the show notes if there was anything of interest to you and find out more about us at synergyiq.com.au. I am going to ask though, if you did like the podcast, it would absolutely mean the world to me if you could subscribe, rate and review. And if you didn't like it, that's all right too. There's no need to do anything. Take care, guys. All the best. Thank you once again for joining us here at Creating Synergy. It's been great spending this time with you. Please jump on to the Synergy IQ Facebook and LinkedIn page where the discussion continues after the show. Join our mailing list so you'll know what's happening next at synergyiq.com.au. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. 
And if you really enjoyed it, please share it with your friends.